This is Equipping Eve, the podcast that seeks to equip women with fruits of truth from God's Word. In his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A sincere and pure devotion to Christ begins by being grounded in his word. So let's open our Bibles, ladies, and prepare to feast on the truth God has given us. Well, hello, ladies, and welcome to Equipping Eve. I'm your host, Erin Benziger. Open up to the Gospel of John, ladies. We are going to finish this today. I actually got to the end of the last episode recording and thought, oh, I could keep going, but I had already introduced the show as ending on a certain verse and this and that, and so I had to stick with it. So we're looking at a 16-parter, I think, if I counted correctly. Don't hold me to that because one never knows. It's tough, you know. Once you reach a certain age, you can't count as well as you used to. Just kidding. All right. So we are in John chapter 20, technically starting at verse 30, but I'm going to walk us back just a little bit to remember where we were. So we saw the resurrection in the last show. We saw that Peter, uh, Mary saw the empty tomb. She runs. She tells the disciples, Peter and John. John gets there first. Let's not forget. They go into the tomb. They see the claws lying there and they're like, okay. And they go home. Mary stays. She's weeping. She is the first to see Jesus. Jesus appears to her and says, go tell my disciples that you have seen the Lord. You know, go tell them this. I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And then we have the story of doubting Thomas. And he puts, Jesus appears in his kindness and goodness and graciousness. He appears so that Thomas will believe in, by seeing Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And then we roll right into verse 30. So blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And that's a message for us, right? Because we haven't seen, we didn't live with Jesus. We didn't walk with him. We didn't put our hands in his side. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. So these are all written down. You reading this book didn't see them, but there were even more that I didn't write down, says John, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. John says, Jesus says this, And then John says, I wrote these things down so that you may believe. You, the ones that Jesus says are blessed if you have not seen and yet have believed. I wrote these down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The whole purpose of John's writing, the whole gospel is written with this view in mind. And think of it. Think of everything we've seen in these past chapters, all of the miracles, and even just the way Jesus speaks, the way he spoke to Pilate, the way he spoke to the soldiers and all the armed guards that came with Judas, and all he says is, I am he, and they fall back because of the power of Jesus. And then we turn the page, at least in my Bible, and you have chapter 21, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, 
Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, yeah, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got in the boat, but they didn't catch anything that night. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus has to be kind of masking himself to them at this point, because he's already appeared to them twice, you know, in the locked room, and then he came back when Thomas was there. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. I mean, it's water, right? So it's not like the fish aren't swimming on both sides of the boat. So that's why this is another miracle. They cast it and now they couldn't even haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment and threw himself into the sea and makes all the other disciples drag the net of fish in. I love the detail John gives. There's 153 fish. I mean, he's very specific. That's a lot of fish. And because there were so, even though there were so many, the net wasn't torn. I mean, this is Jesus, right? Jesus says, come and have breakfast. I mean, he already had a fire in place with fish on it that he, you know, probably created from scratch. And so those would taste even better than the ones in the net. And then we see the restoration of Peter. And we didn't dwell on the denial of Jesus by Peter, but we all know the three times that he denied Christ Verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And there's some nuances here in the Greek that we don't get in the English, and we're not going to get into that today, um, just in terms of the of which word is used for love. And so that would be a great side study for you as well, because I'm sure you've already done your previous study of looking at all of the prophecy that's fulfilled in the crucifixion passage that we read earlier in earlier episodes. Truly, truly, I say to you, said Jesus, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So Jesus is saying to Peter, it's kind of hard in the ESV here because it's just all he. Um, so if you aren't familiar with the story, sometimes it's kind of hard to follow, which is like really grammatically not awesome. Thanks, ESV translators. Um, but Jesus is saying to Peter, basically, you will be crucified one day. That's how you're going to die. And then he says to Peter, follow me. This is going to happen to you, but follow me. And uh, this whole scene is just so lovely. I think the way that Jesus restores Peter. And Peter, what a picture of repentance, right? Judas felt bad that he did what he did. And he went off and he hanged himself. Peter 
is not just remorseful, but he's repentant. And then when he finds out that it is Jesus on the shore, he is like gung-ho, total Peter, jump in the water, get there as fast as I can, because it's the Lord. And he knows that only Jesus can bring him peace for his conscience, peace for his soul. And Jesus gives that to him and restores him and uses him so, so mightily. And then we see John coming into play here at the end. Peter turned and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had also leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? So Peter looks back and he says to Jesus, hey, Lord, what about John back there? And, you know, like I know he got to the tomb first, but I went in first. And Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Of course, then there's a, you know, a rumor saying that John's never going to die. What Jesus is saying, look, I have a different plan and purpose for each one of you. I'm going to use every single person differently. Did he use John mightily? Yes. Did he use Peter mightily? Yes. John didn't die a great death either. He was exiled, right? Remember that? Yes, he got the the revelation and he had some pretty amazing things to write. He wrote more than Peter did. But Peter, man, where would the church be without Peter? And that's not even from a Catholic viewpoint. That's just read Acts, read the book of Acts, which flows right into, um, you know, this gospel flows right into that here in our English Bibles. Listen, it doesn't matter what I'm going to do with the other person. You follow me. And I will use you and I will use him and I will use her and I will use her. You follow me. In verse 24, John, he's affirming, you know, this is all true. This is the disciple, you know, this was me, who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. I'm telling the truth. Everything I've written down is true. Verse 25, there are many other things that Jesus did. And were every one of them written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And I'm not entirely sure, but I think this, I suppose, here in verse 25, is the only time that John writes in the first person. Um, He always refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. But he's saying, the world itself could not contain the books that would be written if I had written down, if anybody wrote down everything Jesus did while he was here. Ladies, Jesus was only walking on the earth for three years. So think about that. I'm sure there's a little bit of exaggeration in there. But think of all we have contained in just these four Gospels. And yet... There was so much more that Jesus did. I can't wait to get to heaven. And I hope there's like a movie reel or something that we can see. We can see the things that we've read about for so long and we can actually see them happening. And that we can see all the other things that we didn't read about. All the things that we didn't see. All the things that we didn't hear. I don't know if God has that planned, but it would be pretty cool if he did. I'm sure he has something better planned. I hear that his plans are usually better than ours. And yet these things were written down and not just chosen by John, chosen by God. As the Holy Spirit inspired John to write these things down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name.
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Ladies, that brings us to the end of the Gospel of John. And as my endorsement today, it's going to be more of an encouragement. I encourage you to go back and read through these chapters again. We chopped it up a little bit. We went, you know, largely according to the chapter breaks, which is a terrible way to read sometimes, read the scripture, especially in these narratives, because you lose something when you break things up. I would say if you're breaking at a chapter break, as you're reading, when you pick it back up again, go back a couple verses and remind yourself where you were as you continue to read. But go back, read this gospel again, read it often. It's so good. There's so much good stuff in here. And these things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. As a parting thought, ladies, I want you to consider of whether or not this reading, this study of the Gospel of John has brought you to an initial belief in Jesus, a stronger belief in Jesus. How has this grown your faith? And consider that. Be encouraged by it. And let it encourage you to continue to open up his word, to read the Gospels often so that you're reminded truly of Jesus. Jesus is everywhere in the Bible, Genesis through Revelation. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. But it's so important for us to read the Gospels regularly so that we're really, we're getting his words, we're getting this picture of Jesus, and we're constantly introduced and walking with him as we read the scriptures that he has given us. All right, ladies. Thank you so much for joining me on this study of the Gospel of John. I don't know what's next. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. I'll let you know. Um, but we'll um, obviously have some other shows and, and um, jump into maybe another book study. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what we're going to do. So um, let that suspense bring you back for more. All right, ladies, until next time, get in your Bibles, get on your knees and get equipped. Thanks for listening.